Hi everybody, my name's Kath and I'll be doing today's second Bible reading, which is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, from verses 1 through to 13. So starting at verse 1. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commended by you, for I am not in the least inferior to the super apostles, even though I am nothing. I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. How were you inferior to the other churches, except that I was never a burden to you? Forgive me this wrong. Hi, my name's John. Now, every once in a while, we come across a passage in Scripture that God has used to speak to us in the past, a passage that has helped us, a passage we love. And today's passage is that one for me. And my prayer is that it will be that one for you too. But let's join in prayer again. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we reflect on this passage, help us to see the goodness of being weak. For when we are weak, we are indeed strong. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, several months ago, on one of my calls with a member from our church, I was met with a wonderful surprise. She's the oldest member of our church, 98 years old, and each time I call her, she would encourage me by saying, I've been praying for you and your family each day and for the church each day. And on that phone call, she sang a hymn to me over the phone, and that was very heartening. And she also read a poem to me. And the poem goes like this. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he added his mercy. To multiplied trials, he multiplied peace. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth, he giveth, and giveth again. Perhaps that's what we could do with each other. Call each other over the phone, sing a song, sing a hymn, share a poem. 
In fact, I caught her this week again and she sang that same hymn and recited another poem for me. And when I heard that poem the first time, I thought, what a wonderful poem. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. Now the person who wrote that poem must have experienced great burdens and afflictions and trials, but yet again and again experienced the grace of God. And lo and behold, that poem was written by Annie Johnson Flint. And so I read up on her biography, and it all made sense how she could have penned those words. She was born in 1866 on Christmas Eve, and she suffered a lot in her life. She lost her mother, who died while giving birth to her sister when she was only three years old. She lost her father to some incurable disease some few years later. After high school, she developed rheumatoid arthritis, and for the rest of her life, she never experienced a day without pain. She became increasingly helpless. Her joints became so rigid that her, her body was so stiff she could hardly move, let alone walk. She got cancer later on, and blindness even started to overtake her. And if that was not enough, she lost control of her internal organs and had to live on diapers for many years. And for most of her life, she was an invalid, confined to her bed. Now you can see why she was able to write that poem. There were not just words on a page, but the years of pain and suffering and affliction expressed by the heart, but expressed by a heart that understands this passage. You see, it is in our weakness that we learn that God's grace is sufficient. And this passage, it's a passage that's precious to me personally because it was the passage that was preached at my induction service as the minister of our church. And so it's a constant reminder to me, God's grace is always sufficient. He gives more grace and more grace and more grace. And when I'm weak, then I know I'm strong. And that was the lesson Paul the Apostle learned, we see in this passage. In fact, it's the lesson that all Christians must learn. Now remember what it was that Paul was dealing with here at this church. It was a church that was being influenced by the way of the world. The way up is the way up, as opposed to the Christian way. The way up is the way down. And so the greater my achievements, the more impressive I am in the eyes of the world, the more spiritual my experiences, then the more I have to boast in, and therefore the more impressive I should be in your sight. That was how they were thinking. And so if that was applied to the life of Annie Johnson Flint, if we were to go with the way of the world, then there wouldn't be much for her to boast in at all. She couldn't finish her teaching course because of her arthritis. She was disabled and helpless and always in need of help. It didn't look like she lived an impressive life at all. But Paul in this passage shows it is in our weakness that God's power is seen even more clearly. And Paul here, he takes the mickey out of them. You want to boast, he says to them? You want something to boast about? Well, I'll boast in my weaknesses. In fact, I'll show you how pathetic I am. I fled from Damascus in a basket from a window in a war. I mean, quite literally, Paul was a basket case. It was not what you would expect of any apostle of Jesus Christ. I mean, imagine, imagine introducing the apostle Paul. 
Well, Paul, why don't you tell us of all that you wrote about in the New Testament, the many churches you planted throughout the Mediterranean, you who preached with unction, you who converted thousands. Instead, here we have the Apostle Paul, who lulled himself in a basket and fled for his life. I mean, humanly speaking, that's rather pathetic. But Paul says, I will boast in that weakness. But it wasn't as though Paul had nothing to boast about. You see, these super apostles, they were boasting about their spiritual experiences. I've experienced so much they were boasting about. But if anything, Paul had far more. He takes the cake. And he, Paul, speaks of the experiences of a man in the third person. The experiences of visions and revelations from the Lord that was literally out of this world too profound, too awe-inspiring, too overwhelming to even speak about. But Paul saw it. And I think he wrote in the third person about himself because of his humility. You see, there are some experiences that God grants that are not for show, not to publicize, not to write a bestseller on. But Paul had that extraordinary experience caught up into heaven itself and we read that in verses 2 to 4 have a look i know a man in christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven now not that there are three levels of heaven in heaven but it's referring to the sky as one level then space as the second then heaven itself where god is as the third and then we read on whether it was in a body or out of the body I do not know. God knows. And I know this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. Now imagine the bragging rights Paul had because of that experience. But yet, he didn't come to Corinth to say, you better listen to me. I've been to heaven and back. Instead, he came to Corinth looking like a fool, not with eloquence or superior wisdom, nothing impressive at all. And so that's why Paul says in verse 5, have a look. I will not boast about myself except for my weaknesses. And why? Verse 6. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. That is, do not think more highly of me than you ought. If there is anything of me worth knowing, it is my weakness. Now do you see how so countercultural that is? The impressive may impress the world, those who have things to boast about. But it's not the impressive who impresses God. And that's why Paul says, I will boast in my weaknesses. But what we learn next in this passage might come as a surprise to us. You see, Paul's weaknesses was not only the truth, but Paul's weaknesses was intended by God. You see, it was no accident, but by God's divine purpose, so that he might learn to depend on grace. Now, I suspect many of us know that already by experience. You see, it's when I'm most weak that I'm most dependent upon God. 
It's when I'm at my wit's end and I've got no one else to depend on that I depend upon God. I mean, have you ever experienced the restlessness at night? You find yourself just hard to get to sleep because your heart is racing and pounding and there's so much going on in your mind and you just feel so tense. Have you ever experienced that? I mean, what can you do at that point when you feel so restless, you're so tired, you can't sleep? But you turn to God. Lord, help me now. Lift my burdens from me and give me rest. And there are no shortages of such experiences in life. You see, without weaknesses and failures and brokenness and inadequacies and afflictions, it is a very, very short step to pride, to becoming conceited and to even think, I don't think I need God anymore. So how was it that the Apostle Paul, who got to see heaven, was granted that vision of paradise? How was it that he who got that, who was used by Jesus in mighty ways, did not become conceited while he was given a thorn in the flesh. And that we see in verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now we are not exactly sure what this thorn was. Scholars have all sorts of ideas ranging from eye problems to epilepsy to malaria to persecution. We just can't be so sure, but I think that was intended because we all have different thorns. But what we do know was that at the same time it was God given to keep him humble, to show his weakness, to keep him dependent upon his Lord. And at the same time, it was Satan afflicted to torment him. And so you can just imagine the type of torment he would have experienced, the seeds of doubt planted upon him by Satan. I mean, if God really loved you, he would have taken this thorn away, but he left it there. He doesn't really care for you, does he? He really wants you to suffer. And so somehow it was God-ordained, but Satan afflicted to torment him. A thorn so painful, so tormenting, in fact, it was so serious that Paul had to plead. And we see that in verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And what was God's answer? His answer was similar to the one he gave to his son, Jesus Christ, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus pleaded three times, Please take this cup away from me. But in the end, it was God's will that will be done. And so God here in this passage is said to Paul a verse that is worth memorizing. Verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now notice there that God didn't say, Sure, I'll take away your thorn. But he said, my grace is sufficient. And it's not as though God did not have the power to take away. Of course he can. And perhaps that should get us all to reflect on our own lives. Whatever weaknesses or thorns we might be experiencing now. And I do know that many of you have all sorts of struggles and difficulties in life now in so many different ways. And some of the thorns that you have 
that they've been years long debilitating chronic illnesses, the terrible back pain that just never goes away, the same-sex attraction. And you can think about your own thorn. For, For sure, we can pray that God takes it away. But if he doesn't, it's not because he can't. But it is so that Paul would learn and so that we would learn that God's grace is really sufficient. God hath not promised skies always blue, flowers strewn pathways all our lives through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God hath promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, undying love. See, God's grace is sufficient. And that was another poem from Annie Johnson Flint. In fact, more than that, it is when we are weakest when God's power is seen most clearly. It's not the one who puts up his hand and says, Pick me, use me, Lord, I am good enough for you, God, where we see God's power at work most clearly. But it is, in fact, the one who says, I can't do this. I I can't serve God in this way. I feel so inadequate. There are so many others better than I, just like Moses who thought there are others better than him. But it is through the weakness of men and women we see God's power at work most clearly. And isn't that the case for people like Annie Johnson Flint? I mean, how do you not give up when you live a life like hers, when your ability to move around was taken away from you at the prime of your life? How how do you not just spiral down into self-pity? Well, is it not the power of God at work in her? Was it not the grace of God? He giveth more grace. And isn't that the case for some in our congregation? I mean, I can't imagine the type of hardships and pain that some of you are experiencing and bearing at the moment. But how do you persevere each day? Well, he giveth more grace. You see, it's only when we come to understand God's promise in verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's when we'll be able to say what Paul goes on to say. Now, I found what Paul says here extremely shocking. Look at verses 9 to 10. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, when I read that, I I thought, that must be a mistranslation. He's glad about his weaknesses. He delights in it. But then I check, it is the Greek word. It is to find satisfaction. It is to be pleased in his own weaknesses. And it makes sense. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For that strong is not mine, but Christ in me. And so after hearing this passage, the question I want us all to ask is, how do you think of yourself now? How do you think of yourself in the purposes of God? How do you think of yourself in light of the thorns you may have? Well, a temptation I think we all face is that 
we might think of ourselves predicated by four words. If only I was. If only I was an extrovert, I'll be more engaging and I'll be more useful to God. If only I was a better communicator, I'll be better at sharing the gospel. I'll be less shameful, then I'll be more useful to God. If only I was married, then I'll be more useful to God. If only I was smarter, then I'll study more, I'll read more, I'll be more useful to God. If only I was healed of my diseases. If only I was healed of my cancer. If only I was healed of my chronic illness, then I'll be more useful to God. If only I was relieved of this thorn in the flesh, then I'll be free to serve God. Now how many of you, how many of you think of yourself, if only I was? Well let me say, God did not make us. And given the lot we have now, and ordained the weaknesses we have, so that we can go on living our lives thinking, if only I was. Rather, it was intended by God that we are never too weak for God to use us. We are never too broken for God to display his power in us. We are never too crushed for his grace to never be sufficient. It is when I am weak, then I am strong. And so how do you think about yourself in the purposes of God? How do you think of yourself in light of the thorns you may have? It was John Berridge, a hymn writer, who said, A Christian never falls asleep in the fire or in the water, but grows drowsy in the sunshine. And isn't that the case? I've fallen asleep sitting in my front yard when it was a beautiful day, sun shining. But never once have I fallen asleep while I was swimming. And so our experiences in life now, our thorns are to remind us all that God's grace is indeed always sufficient. Annie Johnson Flint, she learnt that full well. With the thorns she experienced till the day she died. But how much richer was her life for it? Suffering for decades, yet her last words were, It's all right. She wrote another poem based on this very passage titled, Grace Sufficient. But God has never said that he would give another's grace without another's thorn. What matter since for every day of mine, sufficient grace for me comes with the morn. And though the future brings some heavier cross, I need not cloud the present with my fears. I know the grace that is enough today will be sufficient still through all the years. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, teach us, Lord, that your grace is indeed always sufficient and that your power is made perfect in weakness. And so help us to see that while we are weak, we are strong because of the power of Christ in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.